us and who loves us and keeps us. Amen. Then Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. So I wonder when they realized it, the people of Nazareth, at the top of that hill, on the edge of that cliff. I wonder when they realized Jesus wasn't there. They had been his neighbors. They had watched him grow up. They had surely seen him slip through crowds before, when he was a kid running with his friends through the marketplace, or playing with his sisters and brothers and cousins. They had raised him, that town, those people. They knew him. They knew the sound of his laughter, what his face looked like when it cried, when he cried where he fell that time and skinned his knees. They knew how old he was the first time he held a hammer and how he took to humming the songs his mama sang as though he was breathing them in. My soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices, the mighty one has done great things for me, she would sing. The people of Nazareth knew Jesus but he passes through the midst of them. The gospel doesn't say how, and then he's gone, which is what they wanted anyway. Perhaps by the time they realized he wasn't at the bottom of the cliff, he was far enough down the road that they were satisfied, and he went on his way. And when he had arrived in Nazareth, everyone had noticed We heard the beginning of this story last week, how Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he read from the scroll of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of God's favor. They knew he had been teaching in other towns, at other synagogues, among other people, and that he was being praised by everyone. So all eyes were on him as he sat down and said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that's where the story ended last week. A perfect epiphany gospel revealing Jesus as the one with the power and authority to deliver all for which God's people had for so long hoped. This week, we hear his gracious words again, the words that amazed his neighbors and friends and cousins so that they all spoke well of him, the story goes, until... I think it's actually kind of hard to say what happened next. We only know that someone said, isn't that Joseph's kid? Which is sometimes read as a challenge to that power and authority that he seemed to possess. But it also could be read as a little hometown pride. That's Joseph's kid. Here was Nazareth's first and very own prophet. 
And maybe there was always going to be a second half to what Jesus was going to say in the synagogue that day, how he was bringing to fulfillment, what he was bringing to fulfillment was going to be more breathtaking than even Isaiah had imagined. But maybe Jesus also, who knew the people in that synagogue as well as they thought they knew him, maybe Jesus heard that little bit of challenge, that little bit of pride, heard even their approval of him as some kind of claim on God's promises for themselves, their very own prophet. So he tells them it isn't in their community that they will see God at work in these wonderful ways, but out in the world, among people they would likely call foreigners, even people they would likely call unfaithful. But they shouldn't have been surprised. They already knew those stories of Elijah, who helped the widow in Zarephath when widows in Israel were starving, and Elisha, who healed Naaman the Syrian when people in Israel were sick. Their oldest ancestors in faith, Abraham and Sarah, had been told that they and their descendants, through their covenant relationship with God, would be a blessing for all nations. The people of Nazareth knew that whenever God has formed community, God has always then gone beyond it to the outsider. Today's reading is about more than prophets and their hometowns. It's about more than the people of Nazareth and their synagogue and their cliff. This story set so soon after Jesus' baptism and the beginning of his ministry anticipates what is going to happen through the whole of it, through the entire gospel, and even through the life of the church. Over and over and over again, Jesus comes into some town proclaiming good news, healing, recovering sight, bringing freedom and forgiveness, and over and over and over again, it sends people over the edge, and Jesus passes through their midst and goes on his way, teaching and healing and preaching and proclaiming good news in some other town. The people of Nazareth stand in this story for all of God's people, which is to say they also stand for us, for those times when we would claim Jesus as our own, imagining that he does not also belong to everyone else, that there could be anyone, anywhere, outside the reach of God's saving love. Over and over and over again, rather than go on his way with him, we have tried to hem Jesus in, pin him down, and even once nail him up. And over and over and over again, even at the cross, even at the grave, Jesus will show them and show us that love never ends.
not at any boundary. If the people of Nazareth drew boundaries at their borders, the people of Corinth drew them within, considering some in their own community to have a greater claim on Christ than others, as evidenced by their differing gifts for living a spiritual life. Last week, we heard Paul begin to explain to them that each and every one of them is vital to the whole, that only together do they become the body of Christ. And he goes on, we heard him list the gifts that they might possess. And indeed, when you take them all together, they sound for all the world like the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. For some in that community could do deeds of power, and some had gifts of healing. Some were workers of miracles, and some offered forms of assistance, we heard. But then Paul says to all of them, I will show you a more excellent way. And that way he describes his love. We hear that passage from 1 Corinthians, sheer poetry, most often at weddings. And even Episcopalians know most of it by heart. But it's written for a community in crisis, a community at the edge, who are challenging each other's worth and taking pride in their own faith. If you want to pass through this, Paul says, and go on the way with Christ, you must love. So, people of St. Andrew's Episcopal Cathedral, Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, over and over and over again has come to us. He comes to us now, proclaiming good news. And we can't hold him in with bricks and beautiful stained glass any more than a crowd in Nazareth could contain him, any more than a cross could hold him, any more than a tomb could keep him. Love never ends not at any boundary. In what ways does Jesus sometimes pass through the midst of us without our even realizing it? In what ways do we, who are, in the words of our presiding bishop, the Jesus movement, movement, in what ways do we move Go on our way with Christ. God knows us, consecrates us, appoints us, sends us as the hands and feet of Jesus to do more than Isaiah imagined. Not just to help the poor, give sight to the blind, free the oppressed, and release those held captive by whatever it is that binds them. We are sent to love in all the ways that Paul describes, in all the ways that Jesus demonstrated, to make community, 
not by building ourselves up, but by going out to where Jesus goes, and not for our own sake, but for the sake of God's reign. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in our hearing, but it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop with us. It doesn't stop anywhere. It's not a cliffhanger. Love never ends. Let's go. Amen.